Today I'm returning to Eleanor Roosevelt to cover Eleanor, the young married woman, and her dramatic professional unpause. I'm going to look at her as a protege of her headmistress, a mother, and as an initially compliant but eventually recalcitrant society matron. Eleanor had several obstacles to overcome before she could begin her first reinvention. Her husband, Franklin, came to their marriage encumbered with a domineering mother with time on her hands. Sarah Delano Roosevelt married FDR's father, James Roosevelt, when she was 26, and he, at 52, twice her age. She was widowed at a still youthful 46, surviving him by another 40 years. To fill the void his death created, Sarah lavished all her energies on her only child, Franklin. In any circumstances, this would make things difficult for a new bride, but the situation was compounded by the fact that Eleanor was an orphan, and while she certainly made every effort to accommodate Sarah, imagining she could become a mother surrogate, there was no real buffer when Sarah's domineering became intolerable. Franklin was of little help. Historian Doris Kearns Goodwin concluded that Franklin's failure to separate from his mother played a major role in undermining his marriage. An example. As a wedding present, Sarah commissioned architects to design and build the newlyweds a townhouse on the fashionable East 65th Street in uptown New York. However, she also commissioned a twin townhouse for herself right next door. She made sure she had connecting doors on two of the six floors of Franklin and Eleanor's home, asserting her presence and authority over the fledging couple from the outset. You were never quite sure when she would appear, day or night, Eleanor would later recall. Five children soon followed and filled the house, but motherhood didn't come easily to Eleanor and she was insecure about every aspect of their upbringing. Sarah was again a source of interference. Even at the end of her life, Eleanor felt that her mothering had been compromised by her mother-in-law's deliberate meddling. There was further upheaval to come when Eleanor discovered Franklin's infidelity with secretary Lucy Mercer. This affair brought their physical marriage, and with it her childbearing years, to an abrupt conclusion. Suffice to say, these three factors, her feelings of inadequacy as a mother, the desire to escape Sarah's sphere of domestic influence, and the enduring rift with Franklin brought on by his affair, caused Eleanor to pause and to think deeply about what she wanted from her life. At this time of crisis for Eleanor, she drew deeply on instincts stirred by a beloved headmistress, Mademoiselle Marie Silvestre. Silvestre imbued in the girls in her care a strong sense of social justice, leadership, scholarship and feminism. One woman who knew her said this, The dullest of her girls were stirred into some sort of life in her presence, but to the intelligent she communicated a Promethean fire which warmed and coloured their whole lives. Eleanor was one of her most accomplished students, 
and under her tutelage, her social conscience was awakened. Eleanor's first transition to work and out of the quagmire that her domestic life had become began with her consciously moving around the obstacles her family and society presented and allowing her natural activism to resurface. Without entirely abandoning her domestic realm, she set about expanding her circle of friends in line with the causes she cared about the most, going beyond the confines of the polite society in which Roosevelt's were accustomed to move. Sarah didn't like it, but Eleanor did it nonetheless. These new friends were, remarkably for their time, women with degrees and full-time professional work. They cared about politics, the arts, culture and the way society worked and could be reformed. They enlarged Eleanor's worldview, deepened her knowledge of the issues that interested her most and gave her a degree of independence from her family that they could neither fathom nor control. As her confidence grew, she asked if she could do more, impressing those who were in a position to promote and rely on her more to do so. With this, her activities and ambitions soon multiplied and new opportunities came her way, and so it went on. Professor Blanche Wisen Cook puts it this way, From 1920 to the end of her life, Eleanor lived in two worlds, the world she made for herself and the social world into which she was born. Eleanor never abandoned that familial world, but she did redefine her place in it. I'm Judy Stewart and you're listening to Unpaused, a podcast for women who want to stage a career comeback or mastermind a new one after an extended break from work. This has been a special bonus episode for subscribers to our website, unpause.net. If you'd like to hear more about Eleanor Roosevelt and about what we're planning for Unpaused in the future, stay close. There are also some show notes on the website that contain references to the books and authors I've mentioned, which you might also enjoy. Thanks to Leonie Marsh for encouraging me to do this special series of vignettes and to Jason Milhouse for his expert help in recording this episode for me. Until next time, I'll see you on the podcast.